everyone. Welcome to Navigating Education, the podcast. I am Dr. Matt Rhodes. This is episode 15, and this is part of our interview series. And our topic today is fine arts education. And I have the pleasure to talk with today, Dr. Neil Anderson. He's currently a assistant principal in Orange County, and he has many years of fine arts experiences, ranging from band director, um, at the district office, uh, coordinating the fine arts programs within a district, and so much more. I'm going to just have him talk a little bit about himself as we begin the conversation, because it's always important to get to know who our guests are and how they are currently navigating education in the present as well as the future. So welcome, Neil. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. So my path to education was actually a complete fluke going all the way back to high school. I uh, wanted, to, never even thought of education as a pathway I wanted to get into. I, I was a band kid in high school, played the clarinet, um, but never had thought about teaching. I wanted to go into medicine. I was, I wanted to be a radiologist and I was a senior in high school. I was home sick one day and was watching TV when I was supposed to be in bed and was flicking through channels and came across the Discovery Health Channel. And they were doing a kneecap replacement surgery. And they zoomed in on that kneecap replacement surgery. And from that moment on, I didn't wanna be a radiologist or in medicine ever again. And it, I was kind of lost. I, I had really had no idea what I wanted to do, where, where I wanted to go with my life. And I just happened to go to school, the high school I went to, the, the director, the band director at San Diego State his son and I went to high school. So he would show up on campus every so often. This was in South Orange County. And one rehearsal, before rehearsal started, he was actually on campus and he sat down next to me and he said, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, I, I wanted to go into medicine. I told him the whole story. And he said, uh, great, you're, you're meant to be a teacher. And I said, no, I'm not. No, what are you talking about? He goes, no, you're meant to teach music. You're, you're supposed to be a band director. And I said, no, you're, you're you know, nice try. Um, he goes, great. So I'll see you next weekend. You're going to come down to San Diego state and you're going to audition for the music program. And that's kind of, that was, that's the origin of it. And I went down to San Diego state, um, auditioned for the music department was accepted and, you know, have a degree in music education and a, and a degree in, in clarinet performance. And, and from there fell in love with it. And I, my senior year in our practicum class before the credential program, so my last year in the music ed program, there was a director who came and said he was looking for an intern. And um, he said to the class, here's my phone number. If anybody's interested, give me a call. And like a fool, I, I gave him a call. And uh, it was the best decision I ever made was to, was to call him and, and to kind of get into understanding what, what that real world was like before I even... Um, even set foot in the credential program at San Diego State. And from there, I was a high school band director for 13 and a half years. And that's where I really kind of learned the ins and outs of how the system works and the process works. And it took me a few years to kind of get my footing. And then uh, around year 10 or 11, I started to feel the itch of I need to do something else. I, I was getting, I don't want to say I was getting bored. But I was getting, uh, it became a routine for me. I was getting into that routine. I could count back from a concert how many rehearsals I needed. And what I realized was that I was actually harming kids rather than 
um, pushing kids forward. And it was because I was feeling the burnout of the job. And it's at that point I started to kind of think, okay, what's the next step? What do I want to do next? And then the coordinator of visual and performing arts came open. And from there, um, applied for that because it was something new. I was, I could then take a more holistic approach to education rather than just the, the three or 400 student contacts that I had a day that I was able to see, you know, from uh, the 3000 foot level and in, in all 48,000 students in, in the district and uh, look at a K-12 comprehensive arts education. And then from there, um, that position unfortunately was eliminated due to some budget restructuring along with some other coordinator positions in the district and, and became an assistant principal at the elementary level split between two school sites. And that, that was a journey and, and never imagined myself as an assistant principal, never imagined myself stepping out of the classroom. Uh, so the whole, I'm a firm believer that the, the right job finds you and you're in, you're put in the place where you're supposed to be at that given moment. So it's been a crazy time man. it's been a crazy, obviously the last 15, 16 months have been a, a time of, of absolute um, uncertainty for a lot of people. Um, but looking at it too, from the standpoint of being able to help educators and, and whether it's from a technology standpoint or you're reaching out to kids and, and you're trying to get them connected online and you're trying to understand where, where their issues are. And, and I think now more than ever, we're in the time of, we need to teach relate. We need to be talking about relationships much more than curriculum. Um, the curriculum is obviously important, but if we jump back into curriculum too fast, when, when kids come back to campus, without building those relationships, we're going to be, we're going to be hurting in, in, in schools and teachers are going to be hurting a lot. So yeah, that's kind of my background. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I, I think that it's, I think all of us at one point in a time in your careers, you want to like, whether you want to transition to something else, you get itch to do something. I mean, I think that you're a, a creative person, so you want to take those creative juices and put it into something else and kind of like exactly. dabble. And I could, no, I definitely relate there. Um, yeah. And I'll go ahead. No, I just, I, I think you're exactly right. Right. We, we, you see something and you work on it and you get it to where you want it to be, whether it's building a program or a piece of music or, you know, whatever it may be. And if you've got that right brain capacity at all, and you're not just a, you know, a left brain oriented person, but you have some of that right brain component in you, then I think there's that desire to, okay, what's my next thing? What am I going to work on next? How am I going to, what am I going to do? How can I impact people? And for me, the light bulb went on when I realized that I was, I was hurting kids. And that was my moment of, oh, I need to, I need to step away in order to be able to be better in the long run. No, definitely. And I also liked how you were talking about now and just navigating your current position and just education in general. I think relationships, social emotional learning, focusing on that emotional intelligence piece is is so essential. And I think that that has been dabbled with before the pandemic a little bit. But I think if anything that is going to stay in education is going to be that social emotional learning and um, really focusing on relationships and relationships have always been something we focus on, but I think that social emotional learning, that emotional intelligence piece, I, I think that over time, we're eventually going to be starting to measure that and use that as an indicator for um, yeah. accountability, um, yep. looking at 
whether we're measuring happiness or some sort of area of well-being, I think that that is something in the future that um, we'll really be focusing on. And I think that uh, when we're talking about fine arts education, that that really helps with students' overall well-being and emotional intelligence, building relationships, lets them be creative. So let's talk a little bit about what's the status of the of fine arts education right now. And then I know as we move towards a somewhat normalish school year next year, um, how can we embrace the arts and how can we further integrate it into our curriculum? I think that our students have always needed it. And I think this time we need it more than ever before. Right. And and I think yeah, I've long said since since the pandemic first started, and, and you and I have actually had this discussion that if we return to the way it was, if we return to normal, then the joke is on us, right? We, we haven't learned and we haven't grown and we haven't seen. And, and the one thing I think we realize and we, we recognize more than ever is the importance of the arts in our society and the importance of arts as a cultural tool for us to learn. And, and that's where... I would argue, and not just because I, I, I have an implicit bias because I'm an art uh, from the arts world, but now is the time that if a school district wants to double down on anything, it's arts education and ensuring from the youngest kiddos, from our TK kiddos through kindergarten kiddos that every student has access and availability of an arts education to them. And especially at the elementary level that they need to be creative, right? There's, it's that cultural, um, we can teach cultural responsiveness. We can teach problem solving. We can obviously teach creative thinking all through an arts education. And if we're not doing these things and we're not, we're so focused on, on that test score that's gonna happen next April and next May, then we've we've lost we've lost it already. We've lost that fight. So you know, I think I think for for schools and districts, the the more they can accept the arts as not an or and an extra, but an and. And likewise, though, it's a two way street because arts educators then need to not be so siloed and force themselves into a silo. They need to integrate themselves into the campus community as a whole and the larger picture of being a part of a faculty and part of a staff and not just walk from the art room, the band room, the theater to the office to pick up your mail from your mailbox, but actually interact and be part of the campus culture and know your colleagues in the English department and your math departments and reach out to them and, and start that cross-curricular talk about what can we do, how can we work together so that I can help you and you can help me. And through that, whether it's teaching about the civil rights movement and talking about the protest songs and or you know the slavery songs, whatever whatever it may be, and the artwork from from different periods of, of time in our history, if we're not working with colleagues in in various subject matters, then then we're at fault as much as anything. So I think for you know districts, they need to districts and schools, we need to show the importance and, and get into a funding, you know, starting to use ESSER funds and, and ESSA funds and, and, and Title IV funding. But at the same point as well, for arts educators, that we have to be open to those ideas that, that we become part of the bigger campus community. No, 100%. And I, and I think that, like you said, that uh, cross-curricular collaboration and just, I think, further embedding it into curriculum I, I was just thinking just how we do that within special education with co-teaching and great to see how 
an arts educator or, you know, just music educator theater could go into a variety of different classes from an English class to um, a social science class or just any like K through eight class and, and be a presence there maybe every other day or um, right. once a week or twice a week, but ha always have that support and embedded curriculum within that classroom so that students have that opportunity to have that to be creative and have that collaboration between teachers to, for example, in English, have a theater performance that could be done in class and you could have the theater teacher there be someone that could help facilitate that or provide the framework. Fully agree. That. Fully, fully agree. That's, and that's, that's going to be, that's the jumping off point, right? That's, that's where we can start at that, at that level. And then from there, I think the sky's the limit. The possibilities are endless. The networks are there, right? The professional learning networks are there for people across the country and around the world that already do this stuff. People have figured it out. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. What we need to do is take the box and, and not be afraid to color outside the lines and recreate the box and, and redefine what, what the box looks like. Yeah, I know. And that leads me to talk about how can we encourage educators? I mean, how can we encourage that English teacher? How can we encourage even a science and math teacher to possibly embrace, I mean, maybe bringing in a music teacher and, and focusing on how to read music and understanding rhythm and beats because that's associated with mathematics. So those are essentially algorithms. So I, I just think that we got to encourage these educators to want to bring them in as well as leaders that we need to have that collaboration. We need to have that cross-curricular talk. So how can we, from your, in your point of view, embrace these arts educators and really begin collaborating with them and, you know, really focusing on that in our instruction? Yeah, I think it goes, I think it goes to two things and, and there's two main things is the first is, you know, we, we don't go to what we fear, right? So a lot of teachers don't integrate the arts not because they don't want to, because I guarantee you that they've gone to a concert in their life or they've gone to some, they've gone to a theater production or they've gone and they've walked through a gallery or whatever it may be. So it's not that they don't want to, it's that they don't know how. And because they don't know how, they step away from it and they get back to just what they know rather than themselves being pushed allowing themselves to be pushed, right? And and knowing that, yeah, there's going to be some hiccups along the way and we're going to have to adjust our instruction and we're going to have to to manipulate what we do. But but it's not a scary thing. The arts aren't scary. That's the beautiful thing. There's no right or wrong answer um, to, to, to an arts, uh, integrating the arts within your classroom. Um, likewise, it goes back to, and I, I would speak to, again, arts educators, to be the first ones to reach out to your colleagues and be the first ones to just set up, send an email and say, hey, I'm here. You know, that was one of the things that I did. I, I wrote to my, my social science department and I said, hey, I'm doing this piece about uh, the civil rights movement. It's called the Movement for Rosa. I would love to collaborate on, with you. Uh, you know, what can we do together? And, and one teacher wrote back out of the entire department, one teacher wrote back. And we were able to do this amazing collaboration um, where her kids were able to hear a, a live band performance of this piece about the civil rights movement. Likewise, I was able to talk through the piece about what each thing represented that they were hearing in the piece. And then, you know, we brought everybody together. We threw it to videos and slideshows and all that kind of stuff of that time. And it was amazing to see these kids 
that you would never have guessed and a teacher be so moved by something that the, the collaborative nature of what the kids were doing as well, it gave a newfound respect to the artists who were sitting in the chairs as, as students. And they weren't just those weird kids who were involved in art. So, you know, the a traditional core subject teacher needs to not be afraid to reach out. And likewise, arts teachers need to not be afraid to take that initiative and just and reach out to their colleagues. Yeah, I know. And I, and I think it's just the notion of we can't silo ourselves. And that is, I think, within large schools and how schools are generally designed, it, it creates those silos and it takes people to want to reach out. It takes people to want to deviate from what they've maybe done for years to try something new. And exactly. I think that in order for us to support the arts education as an educational community, it's it's a culture thing. Like I think anything that relates to uh, education is facilitating that culture and um, you know maintaining it over time. And I think that the schools it doesn't matter whether they are like a magnet school or just a normal uh, K-12 school. It's It comes down to probably the schools right now that have the most arts integrated in their curriculum probably have had those conversations going on for years. And they've already had those built-in relationships that it takes that one opportunity. Like you said, you emailed that one teacher and they emailed, they emailed you back and that created that partnership and those types of things probably last um, hopefully longer than the initial uh, time right. we collaborated. Right, and, and I think that's that's so, so key is that we need to not be afraid. You're right, so many schools have figured it out already, but for as many as have figured it out, there's 10 more that haven't figured it out. And that's not to say they're bad, they're not bad schools. It just was never on the radar. But now coming out of, coming out of the past you know, year and a half and getting kids back to campus, the time is ripe. The time is, is right now to, to work as a community of educators and not just get back into our silos and not just be the English department, the math department, the music department, the theater, but be a, a campus that you're working for all thousand kids, 3000 kids, however many kids are on your campus, whatever grade levels but we're here for kids. And that's the first thing we have to understand as educators in my mind moving forward is that I don't teach music. I teach kids. You, you know, we don't teach math. You're teaching kids. The vehicle you're using is math. But at the end of the day, we're all teaching kids. So let's get back to that notion and let's get back to that principle first and foremost. Yeah. And I think that we need to be more generalists that we're here for kids. We should be teaching everything. Um, even if it's secondary and you're teaching math. I mean, you're teaching not only that, but you should be teaching life skills. You should be teaching social emotional learning, building relationships, right? Um, all those things. And I think just embedding the arts and having those collaborations is one additional thing that you can do. So um, speaking of um, your work, what I heard that you have a podcast coming out and you have a website and you have a bunch of things that you're thinking of. And I know that just as we're moving forward, um, you know, trying to really get the arts, um, you know, well positioned in schools. And I think that's where your passion lies and where your work is going to go. So talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, you know, it really started um, while I was doing my doctorate and kind of this notion of we 
lose teachers out of the arts at a higher rate than any other discipline. Um, they leave the profession, whether it's in the first five, five years or 10 years, we lose them at a higher percentage than any other, uh, any other subject area. And so my research was really focused on that and why. And the one thing that I learned uh, that came was first and foremost in the research was that there, there were two things that impacted efficacy, a teacher's efficacy. And we know that if we improve teacher efficacy, their overall retention and attrition within the profession is going to increase as well. Well, retention is going to increase, attrition will decrease. And one of those was a lack of ongoing meaningful professional learning. And the second was a, a feeling of lack of support from younger educators through mentorship. So for me, I, I said, okay, we need to solve this problem. We, we truly have an issue in, in our area. We need to solve something. So for a while, I've sat on this idea and sat on this idea and uh, bringing it to fruition. And it's a, it's a con consultation company called Right Brain Solutions. And there's a, there's a play on obviously the right brain, the creative side, and there's a play on the word solutions for many reasons. Um, but looking at that as an opportunity to offer ongoing, meaningful, discipline-specific professional learning, consultation in arts curriculum and design, and consultation with districts and individuals and individual educators about what they're doing and what we're doing in schools. And, you know, the big component is professional learning, um, that we don't have a lot of meaningful professional learning that's ongoing in, in arts education. And a lot of times, because again, schools don't know what to do with their arts educators, the arts educator ends up in the math department or the English department or the social science department and often told you guys need to find something to talk about. Okay, well, when you're looking, data is great. And when we're looking at the science department's looking at their data and the music department's looking at, you know, one teacher looking at their data, they, there's data to talk about, but the commonalities, even though they share students, there's still two different areas. So I wanted to find a way where we could do this. So I'm starting, uh, I've started Right Brain Solutions and with that, I'm fascinated by people. I'm fascinated by that intersection of arts and life so that we can show that there's more that brings us together than pulls us apart. And that conduit that pulls us together is are the arts. So I've, I started a new podcast. It's called Musings from the Cheap Seats, which goes way, way back to my old MySpace blog, if you're gonna, we're gonna get back to it. Um, started as a blog and just my, my thoughts about the world and not necessarily arts related. And it, from there, it turned into just a hashtag at the end of, a, end of Facebook posts and, and then, you know, end of tweets and things like that. And I thought, I, just, I, need to, I need to solve this. I need to turn this into something else. It needs to morph. What's the next thing? So it, it's turned into a podcast. And, and the first, the trailer episode is out now. The first episode is released on June 8th, um, where I, I speak with artists and educators. So from people who are currently in the arts, performing arts and, and um, fine arts, from professional painters to um, choreographers and dancers, to educators from kindergarten through college. And the first episode features the 2019 Grammy Music Educator of the Year, Mickey Smith Jr. And it's, uh, it, it's been an awesome, um, I'm I hope, you know, go ahead and 
and for people to subscribe and, and, and you're going to hear some amazing insights from some of these people having, you know, recorded some of these episodes already that are, are fascinating. And, and there's, even though you, you may not be an artist yourself, there's something that we can pick up from everybody. We can always learn and, and they offer a ton and I'm excited about where it's going to go. Yeah, I'm totally excited as well. I think there's such a large space for these conversations to happen within education. And like we've talked about this entire episode that, you know, we're at a time where we really need to embed this across the board and have these conversations. And I think having that podcast as well as your services with professional learning to really think about how can we integrate, you know, the arts education with, you know, the tools that we have now, our networks, so that really we can amplify the learning for our students and provide those creative outlets for them. And hopefully that, you know, ultimately improves their well-being, but also um, with your work can help teachers that are arts educators can, you know, have that high level of self-efficacy and well-being so they don't burn out so that we can have, you know, top-notch educators that are available for their kids all the time. Yeah, I fully agree. And, you know, one of the things that we're going to do with with RBS, with Right Brain Solutions, is not just offer the, the PD for arts educators, but we're going to get into that, that how do we integrate the arts, right? Arts integration and open it up to, to educators from all disciplines so that they can learn f- from their colleagues in the arts. And we can, if, if we're not going to do it on campuses, then let's bring them together in a different forum. And this this is the hope that's the forum or at least one of the forums where that can happen. And, uh, you know, we, we, through the podcast, through the, through the organization itself, that I think the, it's the world is open and we can create what we want and, and we can do some incredible work to help a lot of people, which ultimately will help kids and yeah. to, to make this whole thing full circle, right. To make the whole interview full, full circle. That's, that's what we're here for is we're here to make education better for kids. Thank you for being here, Uh, Dr. Neil Anderson. It's been a pleasure. Um, Please subscribe to Navigating Education, the podcast. A number of episodes are coming out in June and July, as well as I'm going to announce for this uh, specific series coming out for my new book, Navigating uh, Navigating Education, the podcast uh, for Navigating the Toggle Term, a guide for K-12 classroom and school leaders. going to have about eight um, or so podcasts coming out. Um, that relate to the case studies in that book. So I'm super excited and I hope that you tune into those when those are released in July. So thank you everyone. Uh, We hope to hear from you soon and please follow uh, me on social media at Matt Rhodes 1990 as well as uh, Dr. Neil Anderson at at underscore uh, Neil A78. Have a great one everyone.